morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to another episode of Jesus Plus Therapy Sis Podcast. This week's community partners are Just Networking Girls with Shaquita Pope Maxwell and Men to Heal Mental Health. Be sure to follow them on all social media platforms. Also, like, share, subscribe, follow, and hit that notification button so you can be notified of all future episodes of Jesus Plus Therapy Sis. Great day. Good morning, good afternoon, great people. Listen, we are so excited that we are back in the building. Happy Thanksgiving again, even though it's past. Like, how was your Thanksgiving, ma'am? It was wonderful. And yours? It was good. My trip to Louisiana was super fun, and um, it was definitely exciting and full of great memories. Of course, there's never a time that I don't go to Louisiana, that I don't work, minister to the people. So my cousin had a gathering at her house, and the women were blessed. And yeah, we had so much fun. We Made memories, took pictures, and did what we do. That's good. That's amazing. Yes. (laughs) You are so dry right now. I am, because I feel some type of way, but I'm just going to be quiet, because we're recording. Praise God. What you feel the type of way about? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Get your light. Don't be dry with the people. I am going to be dry. Don't be dry with the people, okay? Yeah. All right. Listen, we got listeners in Germany, so shout out to our German listeners. Yes, that is so amazing. Right. <laughs> you see. Yes, we told y'all we was international. We got the numbers to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> we had Ger- Germany was 13% and then everybody else was 1%. We saw somebody from South America, South yeah. Africa, the UK. Yeah, so like, thank y'all for listening. Thank you for listening, yes. That like, means so much to us. Keep sharing, keep listening. Um, I don't know if we can get it translated in your language. I don't know. They translated in their language because of how, you know, they were sitting. Yeah, but maybe, I don't know. Well, hopefully they understand our accents and all the (laughs) (laughs) things. That is us. So, but thank y'all for making us international. We got numbers to prove it. We're just saying it. So, what are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about overthinking. So, yes, we're going to deal with the pros and cons of overthinking. The pros and cons of overthinking. Well, I'll definitely give you a therapeutic approach that goes with that. Um, so it sounds like we're going to give them a little therapy in the <laughs> of the conversation. So what is the clinical definition of overthinking? Is there a definition of that or no? Uh, no. <laughs> no. It can be obsession. Um, it can be, yeah, it could, it could turn into a personality, uh, disorder. Mm. Overthinking can turn into a past personality disorder. 
um, it can turn into depression and anxiety. Mm. So basically those who have issues, I'm not going to say issues because I have bouts with depression and anxiety. Um, So do you think the reasoning is because we overthink too much? That's part of it. Most people who overthink love control. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So you're an overthinker, that means you want things to be in your control. Hmm. I do. Absolutely. I want to have control over my life and the things in it. Um, but I'm not, sh- I'm learning that that's not always healthy. And it doesn't leave space for God either. Absolutely. Um, that don't mean I'm not going to overthink. And so even though word says it reminds us be anxious for nothing, but through everything, prayer and supplication, make your request known. Mm-mm, you miss one through prayer and thanksgiving. Make your request known. If you overthink it, how can you be thankful for the things that you're about to think you're about to ask God for? True. It's a process to it. But every when you're in the midst of your thoughts, mm-hmm. you're not thinking about you ain't thinking about praying. You're not. You're thinking about what if this goes, what if this happens, or what if that goes wrong? And especially with the dynamic of um, my life, I'm a single mom. I have to weigh all sides first before I make a decision. And I am a severe processor. I'll process the process to the process and then find another way to process. So but, so when doing it though, where how are you teaching the element of faith to your kids? I'm still learning faith myself. So how are you putting the, the elements that you do know into practice when you're doing that? One, it's baby steps. I'm learning how to trust even the word that I read. It's still, it, I tell my kids all the time, it's a journey. You're not going to get this overnight. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to get it absolutely wrong. But in at the end of the day, you still move with your belief in God and you have to trust that God will lead you wherever he desires for you to go, even if you make the wrong decision. So, and so go ahead. What, what else you about to say? And so even if you make the wrong decision, that's where God gives you grace. And and this is my personal opinion. It's something that I believe in my heart that God will grace me to his perfect will. Even if I make the wrong decision according to people or man or however you want to put that, God will grace me to get me back on track to what his will was from the beginning. And that gives me peace with overthinking. So my question goes back. You didn't really answer my question, but thank you for the uh, eloquency of that great answer. But they didn't answer my question. And you said baby steps, right? 
So when a baby is learning how to walk, so go back to all three of your kids. The only one I really know was learning how to walk was Deanna because that's how she learned. She learned how to walk, to walk down the aisle in my way. Right? She understood the balance, right? She got her balance first. Once she got balance, she took a step. She fell, she crawled, we picked her up. No, Deanna, try again. So she stood back up, found her balance, took a step, was successful. Did it again, took a step, was successful until she got confident in it. Here's the thing about what you just said. You literally just justified not going beyond baby steps. You literally just said in translation, hey, it's baby steps. So if I fall, God's grace will pick me up. True fact, he will. But the question is, when you go back to the original step you started with, did you grow confident in the first step that you succeeded in? Everybody so, doesn't necessarily grow confident in their steps, you know. Then, then I'm not saying oh, right then, but there is a confidence that should come. You may not be at 10 with your confidence, but it, each time you go back to that step, another level of confidence should come. If it's not coming, then you ain't doing the process right. You are literally banking on the grace of God and not the faith of God. You got to bank on both of them in order for you to gain the process to move from baby step to toddler and from move from toddler to child and move from child to preteen, from preteen to teenager, to teenager to adulthood. Because if we're always stuck in baby steps with no confidence, we're just repeating cycles. So I'm not saying... Huh? Most of us are, though. That's the need for Jesus in therapy. However, what I'm saying is let me make this make sense to myself because I feel like I'm going all the way around the circle. You go back to step one as a baby, okay? Uh You said, okay, for instance, with Deanna, she fell. You picked her back up. And she automatically went to crawl, but you picked her back up so that she could learn to balance and walk. Mm-hmm. It's even in when you stand that baby up, there is a moment where they're like, uh-uh, I did this. Mm-hmm. And the last time I did this, I failed. So there is a fear, an underlying fear there. So confidence doesn't always come naturally. No, you have to build that. But listen to what I said. I didn't say it had to come. And, and confidence did come because the confidence was going back to the step. That's confidence. Because I could have just stayed crawling. But no, I realized I may be able to succeed at this. I just may have some more hesitation because then we were like, okay, let's take both of your hands and we walk together. Now I've just built another level of confidence in you because now I got both your hands. You're doing the work. It looks like you're doing the work, but now you're putting a little bit more faith. And then eventually I'll just let your hands go because I see you building more and more confidence. You got confidence because you went back. I picked you up. You stopped crawling. 
You stood there. You may have been hesitant, but the fact that you got back up and stood was a confidence. Got you. So that's the thing. Like, if you're not taking notice of the confidence that you gain and going back to the same step, then you're missing the moment of faith. And you're just taking advantage of grace. You're just taking advantage of knowing that somebody's going to come and hold both your hands and walk with you. And you may become dependent on that. Then it becomes a crutch. Then I disable you instead of strengthening you in your confidence. In your so, put, so with the example that I gave about even if you move and make the wrong decision and God gives you grace. So are you saying that, and I'm just applying to me because I can't speak for everybody else. So basically you saying I'm abusing grace. So Yeah, because here's the thing. Even if you make the wrong decision, when you made the decision and God gives you grace, you should be noting the decision that you made that got you to the wrong. But if you constantly making that same decision, banking on grace, you just abuse grace because God just gave you wisdom in that step. Hey, girl, don't go left. Try going right. But if you keep going left, thinking you're going to get different results, now we in insanity. And insanity creates a, a, creates a mindset of abuse grace. Well, God, I went left this time, but this time I went left in my purple outfit instead of the white one. But you, God just told you left wasn't left was left was the wrong decision. It wasn't what you were wearing when you went left. It was the fact that you went left. So if God gives you grace and says to you and talks to you and says, "Hey, don't go left this time," and you say, "Well, okay, God, I'm not gonna go left in the first step, <laughs> but I'm gonna go left in the second step." He told you not to go left. Period. So whether you go left in the first step, the second step, the third step, or fourth step, if he told you not to go left, he meant don't go left in any step. So you going left in the fourth step, you still being disobedient. So now you say, well, God, I'm sorry. Grace me. I, I, I made the wrong decision, but he gave you instruction. So then it, it makes me ask, did you trust the instructions he gave? Because you prayed for him. He gave you instructions and you said, God gave me instructions to do this, this, and this. If he gave you instructions and if it be in the instructions you got uncomfortable and decided to wiggle your way through another way, then you you literally saying to God, I don't trust your instructions. Even though I pray for them, I don't trust the instructions. I'm going to do this way because I know you're going to give me grace and you're going to let me go back and try it again. Got you. But I just, you know, that's something that has helped me with overthinking may not have been the right thing however it has helped me with my overthinking and it has allowed me to get through um some uh, some hard seasons it has because you know sometimes you go through life and you know you made the flat out wrong decision you did you messed up royally and sometimes when you mess up like that you have those moments where one you can either stay locked up in that place and that's where the depression comes because you know you messed up 
Or you could try to see the brighter end of the tunnel. And if I know that, Lord, even though I made this mistake to me, for it, oh, this going to be good. And I feel like I'm supposed to share this. There was a part in my, li- in my life where, where I knew I wasn't supposed to be with a certain person or stay in a relationship as long as I did. And after the children came, it it felt like I made, and I love my children. Let me put that disclaimer out there. It felt like I made the wrong decision. So when you got the warning, because I know for one, one of one of the three, you got a warning. Yeah, absolutely, I did. But it wasn't. I don't even think that the warning. Um, I didn't believe the warning. Let me just be all the way one hundred. I did not believe the warning. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of us don't. We don't heed the warning when it comes. And so I, regardless, you know, especially with the one, let's just cost on me right there. With the one, I knew in my heart of hearts that it was going to work out. Regardless of whatever, you know, we were going through at the time, I knew that, quote unquote, our love was strong enough to survive it. But when the warning came, I didn't believe it. One, because I was very new in in God. Mm-hmm. And I know you like that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Let's just be honest. I ain't know you like that. So you coming and speaking to my life over something you don't know nothing about, and I've already invested all these years in this person. You telling me it's not going to work? I know you lying. And so, of course, when the warning came, I wasn't studying it. People tell you stuff all the time, you know? And so I went on and continued with my life. But when the poop hit the fan in good terms, good godly terms, um, it was like, oh, well, maybe she was probably a little right. Just a a tinch. And, um... But by that time, I had been through so much hell and fought through the relationship, had lost so many babies, had endured so much that I just felt like that was my parting gift. So if I'm going to invest all these years, the least I could do is carry these baby because all of the other times I didn't. And so even if it didn't work, I still had a piece of him. Mm. So <laughs> your thinking was that's deep. I may not want you, but I still want a piece of you. That's deep. And that's why she's 12 years old now. And so 
I, you know, I've had to live and, and let me just say this because some, I know it's women out there who have, who are single mothers now. And there's some men that are single fathers or divorced fathers or single women who are divorcees, but go ahead. Let's, let's yeah. see. Um, well, all the people on my side, but we go. I know that, yeah, but I know that there are people who um, got in relationships with people and they did not see it ending. They did not. And they ended with a child, regardless of the circumstances, you know, you, whether it was bad or good, y'all ended up parting ways. And so I said, well, to hell with it. If, even if I don't end up with him, I still have something um, that reminds me of the good times. Because it wasn't always bad, you know? Um, but even going into the next relationship, I realized that I still wasn't ready. I had made peace with it, but I wasn't ready to get into another relationship, but I did it to get over that. And so even in that, you know, years on down the line, I see that I wasn't ready. I was not ready. And in the course of me not being ready and still moving out of compounded hurt, I get two more kids as a parting gift. It was supposed to be one, but it ended up being two. And so... Even in that, like, there's moments where, you know how you look back over your life in retrospect, and you're like, Cynthia, you know good and doggone well. This is not what God had for you, but this is what you settled for. And so there's been years where I've had to battle with the fact that I made this mistake, and I... In so many words, I put myself there. Why is this making me emotional? I don't like this. Because you haven't forgiven yourself. So here's the thing. We be asking for God's grace when we, be ask, when we need to ask for self-forgiveness. That's good. And, you know, I've had to... Oh, this is good. I've had to cope. Mm. Yeah, I've had to cope with the fact that I messed up. And my way of coping has been, God just graced me. To take care of these kids because I made the mistake. And it's not their fault. But, and so maybe I did abuse grace unintentionally, but it was my means of coping with my own mistakes. And so when you said that, it really hit, it, it hit differently. 
because I didn't even, you know, in overthinking, you don't realize that you're just coping. You're trying to find a way to cope with the mistakes that you made. And so in overthinking, you're running the scenarios so that you won't have to make the same mistake again. And I think for me, that's that's what it is. That's why I struggle with it so much because I don't want to make the same mistake. But then that means two things. One, you ain't healed. Two, you ain't forgave yourself. And so to really see and you, and honestly, the manifestation of God's grace has not manifested because you still have unforgiveness towards self. And you're still hurt towards that. So you're thinking you're coping with grace when you're just coping. It ain't even grace. It's just coping. It's just a coping mechanism. And you've labeled it grace because that's the only thing that gives you peace. In reality, it's unforgiveness for self to self because you didn't listen to the God within it. Right? Because because the Holy you heard the Holy Spirit, you didn't do it, you got these kids, and now you're like, but Holy Spirit, what am I supposed to do? I want to operate, I want to do, I want to say. And God is like, but I, in order for you to see my true grace so that you won't overthink, you have to forgive you. And the fact that we've become emotional about certain things says there's still a wound for us. There's still pieces and fragments of that that it still needs to be healed. And the only way it can truly be healed and the only way we can truly see the manifestation of grace is if we get to a place of self-forgiveness. Here's the kicker. We forgive the other people involved. But when it comes to ourselves, we can't because we're our own worst enemy. Your inner me is your worst inner me. That's good. And so you have to be in a place, you overthink. Overthinking is a coping skill. It's not just about control. It's about the coping with the thing you can't control. So if I overthink, I can cope a little bit better. If I process this, the process and the process of the process of the process, then I can cope a little bit better because at least I can I can speak to myself and say, girl, you process it through all the way through. You worked every angle from A to Z. And so now if I make the mistake, I know that I process through it and I can ask for grace because guess what, God, I process through it. So, and I trust you in the process. <laughs> so does it ever get better? Because my my automatic response to life, just doing life with these kids and even, you know, um, little things like how I move, what I do, how, you know, that transfers over into that so that's why usually my kids are the excuse you know so but then again how how you keep using them to be excuse but now you're doing count we call that in counseling counter transference where we use our issues and transfer it to the other people that are connected to us 
So countertransference. So so let me let me use one of your children, okay? We're gonna use the baby girl mm-hmm. who is so great, but she's also your biggest challenge. Absolutely. She's mean. Really mean. Because there's a countertransference that takes place. There's a there's a if I can't handle it, then I kind of project it onto the people. I project my my hurt, my anger, my frustration, right? Onto the things that I'm connected to, this countertransference. So now my emotions now become their emotions, right? So when I'm emotional, everybody in the house emotional. Now, how that emotional looks for every for a person may be different. There may be a shutdown for for one. There may be a a behavior issue for the other. It may be just straight up ignoring for the other. Mm -hmm. But that transfer, that that emotion that they're feeling is not their own. It's yours. It's you brought into the house. It's now transferred to everybody else because now I'm in a place where I'm just trying to figure out how we got here. Why am I here? I need help. What's going on? Why this not working? Why they not working? Sit down. Sit down. Do your homework. Go do this. So now, what should be an easy routine now becomes a hit the routine because now there's something in me that makes me think about when I look at you, when I look at the three, as much as I love you, it still reminds me of my bad decisions. It still reminds me of a place I still have to forgive myself of and for. Mm-hmm. So now that transfers to them in different ways. So how do you grow? How do you grow from that? What yeah. forgive you? That's easier said than done. I think, but it's a but it goes back to what we talked about in episode seven. Remember when I said I never thought I would ever get to this place that I forgive that person to the point that I'm not trying to hit them, think ill will towards them. And I, as much as I prayed for myself to be in a place of forgiving me for the decision of me having a relationship with them, I never, it, it never really dawned on me that God would do it. It's like, but I knew I, he could, but it didn't mean that I would see the true manifestation of it. Like I've seen pieces of it. Like, oh, I see you healing me here and here. But to truly feel the freedom of forgiveness, I never thought that I would be able to feel the fullness of the freedom of forgiveness of self and them too. So it's all about being in a place. It's a step-by-step. Forgiveness is an everyday process. It's not a one-step thing. And we've made forgiveness like a one-step thing. If I say it, it's done. No, because there's always something new that we forgot to ask for forgiveness for or to forgive that comes back and is triggered in us, maybe in a behavior of our kids, maybe it's something we saw, something we smelled. There's always a new thing that we need to forgive. So forgiveness is a process. So we got the if we really want to talk about the process we need to talk about the process of forgiveness that's the process we need to think about well I wouldn't say for me I wouldn't say because I in in being totally transparent because I think I'm real naked right now and I don't (laughs) whatever but in total transparency I've forgiven 
them. I think it's just the fact that I haven't forgiven me. And so I guess my question is, as it relates to our listeners, what it's, it's different. We know to, to forgive others daily every time something reminds us of that place or whatever to forgive them daily. But what does that look like when the person is you? That that forget I didn't say forgive others. It said forgive. It didn't say it, it said forgive others as and you know forgive the debtors of that. But that same debtor can be you. You can be your own debtor. True, but so, so forgiveness doesn't is not attached to a person. It's attached to a process. Whatever you need to forgive is a daily process, even if it's you. Even if you've forgiven the offender, you still have to forgive you daily as well because it's always a new trigger. But daily, I don't feel like I made a mistake. But there's always a place of forgiveness. But then every time you sin, you don't know, right? Every time I make the wrong decision, I'm not asking God, before I ask you for grace, I need to ask you forgiveness for not using the wisdom that you gave me, right? Like, Absolutely. So you forgave yourself. That's forgiving you. God forgive me for not being obedient to you. That's I'm forgiving. I need you to forgive myself. I need to forgive myself for being so disobedient. But God needs your grace in order to get to the place of forgiveness, right? Mm-hmm. So you do get it. There's a disconnect because I feel real slow in this moment. <laughs> you say you don't forgive yourself daily, but you do because you're flesh. So forgive me of all my sins. Is God forgive me of me? But I can only speak for me. Yes, ma'am. Because I'm the one who needed Jesus in therapy right now, it seems. Um... There is definitely, when I'm praying and I say, God, forgive me, I'm not thinking of whatever I, you know, I'm thinking of a blanket of things and it just covers. I'm not going into detail and saying, God, on January 25th, 1987, forgive me, Lord, because I, my mama told me, not to touch that plug, and I plug. I, I touch that. No, support. you. That's that's not. And that's how my mind works, though. Sean. No, babe, no, you're asking God to keep forgiving you for allowing yourself to be in a place of condemnation that He's already freed you from. Oh, I'm glad you're bringing it to my attention because I never, I don't think of it like that. You're asking Him to forgive you for a place of condemnation you put yourself in. That he's already freed you from. God, because when I look at my kids, I think of a condemnation. When I get frustrated with my kids, I think when I can't provide for my kids, I think of a condemnation. When I smell or see certain things, I think of a condemnation. When somebody brings certain situations up, I think of a condemnation. God, forgive me for always putting myself in a condemning place that you've already freed me from. I've already asked for forgiveness for you, but I could keep, I keep putting myself processing the thought of the condemnation 
in pain. And that's my question. How do you retrain your mind? The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So how do I retrain my heart to revert to another thought? I remember back when I was in therapy, when I was in Birmingham, when I first started going to therapy, and I think you remember this. And I told you about the exercise that the woman had given me with the rubber band. And she told me that every time you have a negative thought, you pop yourself with the rubber band and replace the thought. And so that that exercise has stuck with me. But I guess because it worked for that season of my life, I don't, you know, in my oh. mind, I'm, I'm past that. So you got to change your vocabulary. You have to label. First off, you got to label what it is. Mm-hmm. Stop processing it as though it's a new a new thought. It's not a new thought. There's a, there's a demonic spirit called the spirit of recall. Its whole job is to keep you in a condemning mindset. You said the spirit of who? Recall. recall. Okay. Memory recall, right? Okay. That whole spirit's idea is to keep you in a place of condemnation. It will make the memory come back stronger and stronger long as you allow it to keep playing in your mind. Girl, there is a book for that and I'm finna get it. Okay, but keep going. Because I've never heard, I've heard of the spirit of heaviness. These are things that have been prevalent in my spirit my own spiritual journey i've dealt with the spirit of heaviness because that's linked to depression but i've never heard of the spirit of memory recall that's not in none of the books that i've you know read so keep going keep talking so that spirit's main job that demonic spirit's main job is to keep you in a place of condemnation that's Mm. it if I can keep bringing this memory up, you will keep being in a place of condemnation. You'll never be able to enjoy the freedom of Christ. Girl, shut the front door and open it. This is a real thing. Oh my gosh. Can, can you look at that? Then we finish. Yes. Go ahead. Because this is mind blowing. Because I, I thought, you know, you think when you get to a certain level in your healing that you you good you know but the more that you know I continue to dig deeper into it I see that there's other levels you know of healing and so I've never heard of that and it's profound I didn't even know that that was a a spirit Shout out to Trish M Ministries and Mind of Christ Church. Trish M Ministries, yes. <laughs> That's who taught me that. Okay, so keep going. <laughs> when you have <laughs> a spirit of memory call, you have to label it. Because if you don't, it'll keep coming back. Hey, you address demons. You don't talk to them, you address it. Mm. I know that you are the spirit of memory recall. Um, I will not live nor allow you to have control of my memory that you are, you put me in a place of condemnation. Mm. 
Mm. I send you to a dry place and I live in the freedom of Christ. Mm. That's it. But here's the thing that keeps coming up because you got so many memories. So they're going to come up with another. It goes next level. So you have to constantly be there. And I can be, I'm a great example of that. When my grandmother passed, the memories that came with that still played to the point I felt myself hating the people that were part of those memories. But then when I got introduced to the, and I realized what this was, I named every time it played out my dream. Nope. I know that you are the spirit of memory recall. And because I know you're the spirit of memory recall, I send you to a dry place never to return. And I live in the freedom of Christ. I forgive them and I forgive myself. Now, here's the crazy thing. My grandmother passed almost seven years ago. Seven years. It's, it's. Yeah, almost seven years. This year, May made it year six, so 2022 will be seven. And I'm still having to deal with some of those memories. Mm. But guess what? The memories are not as intense as they were before I labeled them and called them for what they were. So now you can't come at me with that because I already labeled you. I'm ready. I'm armed. I'm I'm ready for that. Even when it comes to my marriage, my ex my ex husband, memories came, especially when the conversation started. Mm-hmm. So listen, <laughs> spirit memory call. What you're not gonna do is remind me of the embarrassment that I had during this marriage and keep me in a place of condemnation. I'm greater than that. That's imposter syndrome because that's what comes with over processing the imposter syndrome right imposter syndrome says that you become a fake agent to the things you really can't accomplish you, you really can't or can't you can't accomplish. Oh. Imposter syndrome says, imposter syndrome says that you are a fake agent and that you are faking the things that you are doing, that you can't accomplish these things. No, no, no. You can and you will and you have. It's like putting on a facade. Imposter syndrome says you put on a facade. You've talked yourself into positions. You've talked yourself into these spaces. That's not true. You can never talk yourself into places and positions. You are it. Mm. And that's another form of what? Condemnation. Mm. So for those dealing with imposter syndrome, that's another form of condemnation. You live in the freedom of Christ. That's good. That's good. She got her new mic, y'all. She got her microphone. Like, I got me a microphone. So, (laughs) you see her. (laughs) You can see her with this microphone. Lord Jesus, help the people. I'm happy because we just keep getting better and better every episode. And this mic is helping me be better. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I, you know, I, especially those uh, single parents who, you know, you wanted it to go a whole nother way. 
and it didn't. And you're left with the pieces, you know? And I know for me, it has been years of just with God trying to make a a mosaic of the pieces. And, you know, we've done the best we can. And we continue to get better. But there has still been moments where you just be like, child, what the hell did I just do to myself or to my children or, you know, whatever. And so that has always been a wound that I allowed to heal to a certain point and then I scratch it. Or I... um let it heal, and then something to come where I just be like, mm, let's tear that off again. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so you picking at the womb is what I hear. Oh, unintentionally sometimes, but through a myriad of things, it reopens occasionally. So, in action that I did to kind of finalize or close that chapter of my life um, took place last year and unintentionally it reopened the wound. And so occasionally it comes back to where I should have never did this in the first place. That. And then you begin to overthink about things that in some in some instances you have no control over. So you know it just it happens that way. And so you just begin to go over scenarios where you could have done better, you should have did better, and you, you didn't do better. And had I did this, it wouldn't have never happened this way. And my children probably wouldn't be in the situation that they're in. Not saying that they're in a bad situation, but, you know, it could be better. So, yeah, that's one area of my life where I overthink everything. And my, and my question to you would be, don't you want freedom? And those you want to enjoy. Absolutely, I do. Absolutely, I do. And am I willing to put in the work for freedom from that area of my life? Absolutely, I am. Absolutely. Okay. Because my MO in these streets as it relates to this situation or those situations is not good. (laughs) But we grow and we mature and that's what I'm trying to do. That's the whole purpose of Jesus and therapy. So do you overthink? I think the older I become, the less I overthink. At your age, yes, I did overthink. Because I... I ain't that much. Uh, 
Baby, for, for, four years makes a whole heck of a difference. Yeah. Four years in experience makes a whole heck of a difference. And <laughs> the closer I get to 40, the more I less overthink and I'm just, you gonna get this business. This is how I feel and keep it moving. Um, and one of my sorority sisters told me, she was like, listen, I need you to prepare for 40. I said, wait, what come with it besides no filter? She said, no filter and a lot of emotions. And so I've come to the place where I'm just like, you know what, God? I can think about it, but in the end, it's going to go out in your favor. And if I'm going to trust you, I'm going to trust you not trust you when I mess up, when it doesn't go right, when I feel uncomfortable, when I can't control it. I can't trust you then. I need to trust you even if I can't control it, even if I can get it right, even if I can make it a positive income outcome. I'm going to, I'm going to still trust you. And I think when I adapted that mindset and didn't want to be in this place of condemnation, okay, daddy, I messed up. Forgive me. I, it was me. I want my flesh. It was, I wanted to feel better and you was taking too long. When I became truly real with him, it didn't, the mess ups came less and less more frequent. Not to say I don't still mess up, but the frequency of the process of the mess up I can't live in condemnation. Mm-hmm. Condemnation literally stunts me from receiving the thanksgiving of God and not just the gratitude of God. Say thanksgiving says, even if it doesn't happen, I still thank you. Gratitude is accepting something when he gives it to me. I miss both of those moments in condemnation. Mm. So I can't, if if I really want to fully, full, fulfilling, fully live in the things of God, I cannot keep living in a place and space of condemnation. I mess up, I mess up. It is what it is. Daddy, you know your daughter. Susan, yeah. I hear it's the constant truth telling and not hiding. Because sometimes, depending on the mistake, I'll be like, I ain't, ain't going to, you know how like a kid does, if I just hide it, and kind of going, ooh, that's good, going back to the garden. I don't, we don't know what would have happened if Adam would have said, or Eve would have said, yep, God, I did it. I'm sorry. But the fact that they did immediately up own up to it. It caused well, they probably would have got cast out of the garden anyway, but maybe it wouldn't have been to the detriment that it was. So it's that's where I think the disconnect with me is I hold it away from God instead of just saying, Look, God, in this area of my life, fam. This ain't it, fam. And I don't like how, I don't like what I did in this moment. And so owning up to that is what hold, what either holds you or doesn't hold you in that space. 
That's what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Because I, I truly, I think admitting that I, oh, I want to cuss so bad, Jesus. <laughs> Please don't cuss. We we supposed to be saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost feeling, by bad time. We not in the place. Oh, I've been holding it. Anyways. <laughs> For the saints and the ain'ts. God is still working on this. Y'all know that if you if you've been a listener, you don't know come <laughs> say about. Listen, but you know we still P, we did a PG thirteen, not R. Okay, we not gonna go R. We gonna probably be a couple of PG thirteens, but no R. No, but you know when I mess up, especially in that area. Or, you know, right there, that particular area. But when I have messed up, um, it has been one of those things where I just hide it from God. I hide my true feelings from God because in some way that makes me feel like I'm a bad mother. If I admit that, look, this my want your kids to tell you the truth. Huh? But she wants your kids to tell you the truth. Yeah, but this isn't this isn't something that I tell my kids. This is but no, 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 no. Listen, remember I said counter-transference, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's us transferring something onto other people. I'm not going to tell the truth to daddy, to God, big God as you call him. But I need you to tell the truth to me. So I, this I, human true. flesh, I need know you. I want to go there. But it needs you to tell me the truth, human flesh, the, the thing I can't that came from my womb, tell me the truth. But I am teaching you unintentionally not to tell God the truth because I'm not telling him the truth. I may not tell you that I'm not telling God the truth, but my actions, my behaviors, my emotions demonstrate that I haven't told God the truth. Give me an example. You sitting in your car trying to get yourself together. Oh, you can. Oh, you can. You can. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Because that's my sanctuary. Mm-hmm. But that's the I decompress. So right. I lash out um, mm-hmm. because I've had a hectic day. Mm-hmm. But so it's... I sit mm-hmm. to get myself together. Right. So are you talking to daddy when you're doing it? Sometimes I am. Sometimes I'm just sitting in complete silence. Mm-hmm. So you're not telling him your kids get on your nerves and if you go in this house, you're going you're gonna to go off your truth. Mm-hmm. You ain't telling him your truth in the midst of that. Who does? I, and I know there's Tons of our listeners out there who sit in their car. Oh, yeah. I sit in my... When I lock my keys is week. <laughs> when I finally got my keys back to my car, I was grateful for the people who gave me the ride to the house. When I, I drove in silence, but I also drove in a place of thinking, God, I, I created space for him even in my silence. Because I'm trying to fit, I, 
I'm not figure out, I'm trying to make it a habit to trust him and thank him, even when I'm frustrated, even when I'm frustrated. When I lost, (laughs) so long story short, I lost my car keys um, at a major conference that was at this past week. Just so happened I was in Birmingham, praise God. And I had a way back to our Airbnb, praise God for that. But the level of frustration, because I had been ripping and running all day, the fact that I didn't even realize I had lost my keys until that night, like all of that. And I told, and this is how I know that I'm trusting God. I never became anxious. Mm. Never. Even I, I couldn't sleep that night. But I said, God, I need you to speak to me. I went to bed at eight o'clock that night. I was like, yeah, I'm tired. I just, I'm just worn out. So I went to bed that night. And even in bed, God kept showing me your keys are going to show up. I will find him in the most simplest places in the dream. And I found him in the most simplest place in somebody's purse that was sitting at the table while I was sitting there where I laid my keys. Mm. I could have became anxious, lost my mind, not able to function. And I was over a major conference. So I could have became so anxious that I couldn't even function in the position I need to function in the next day. But I told, I told my colleagues, I said, yeah, I'm not anxious for anything. Even when we were talking about getting me another keys made, I still didn't become anxious. Mm. And it was going to cost me $500. And I still did not, y'all ain't got $500 in the bank, not yet. I still didn't become anxious. I'm like that in some areas of my life, just not all. No, I become consistently like that. And I haven't always been like that. I, girl, 35 year old Shandrika would have been like, oh, uh, I don't know what we're going to do, but we ain't leaving this hotel. Somebody got a room I can stay in. <laughs> we're going to find these keys. With age comes wisdom. It does, but it's not even about age. It's about how do I see daddy? I'm either going to see him as daddy in my all in all, or I'm going to see him as nothing. I can't see him whenever I feel like he's able to be there for it. Okay. What are you about to say? (laughs) No. Again, that's my revelation. Yeah, I feel you. But here's my prayer, and this is what I'm realizing. The deeper I go, or what I'm hearing in this conversation. Here's the prayer directive that I hear. God, help help me to trust you with my truth. Because my truth scares me. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a deep place to pray. Mm-hmm. 
That's a da- um, we, got, we call those dangerous prayers. Oh, Jesus. Of course, you know, when you ask for patience, God don't give you patience. He give you places where you should be patient at. Absolutely. So when you ask him to trust you with your truth, that means he's going to give you hard places where you have to be truthful about. Oh, don't like my prayer directors because <laughs> they be bringing up a whole lot of stuff. But yeah, that's that's where I need to. That's my next prayer place, I guess. That's the director. So the we next journey. Listen, we've been on here for a while. We've been trying to do 40 minutes, but I think this is gonna be an hour episode. So tell me, what's the takeaways? First of all, this spirit of memory recall, honey, I ain't, I gotta go study that, research it. You know, you know me. I'm a digger. I'm gonna dig. So I'm be gonna careful. go dig into it. Be careful what you digging. I'm gonna be surface digging because I ain't got time to be up all night. Anyway, um Lord, please, I'm listening. Just a little bit of digging. Not we're not going six feet tonight. Okay, so that's one. And then two, um, just definitely using that directive. Lord, help me to trust you with my truth. Because sometimes even my truth scares me. That's my two biggest takeaways. Awesome. So yeah. Good. I hope that. Somebody somewhere in Germany or Switzerland or Australia, Antarctica, ah. Africa, even the motherlands, the mother of lands, yes, huh? the places of places, huh? All the UK come through, Germany come through, Italy, Italy. Oh yes, come on, Italy, Harry, oh. South America, Brazil, like whatever you mean. Listen, I hope that it blesses you. Cause I know I was naked today, child. I was out here, but booty naked. It means I was naked in chapter chapter (laughs) in episode seven. I was no Jesus. Father, to the people who know me personally, mind your business. Oh. You're so silly. Listen, y'all, we appreciate you. Thank you for making us international. Thank you for listening. We really do hope you you got some takeaways, jot down some notes, got something to meditate on. We ask God to really just pierce your heart so you could be open to hear what he has to say because there is a rebuttal, okay? He got a rebuttal for you. Absolutely. So know that you are healed, you are strong, you are great, you are awesome. And we are Jesus plus therapy, sis, bruh. <laughs> and we out this feast. Y'all have a good one. Peace.